Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin who was in Detroit yesterday. Uh, Courtney, how was your trip to the Motor City? Very short. Uh, it, was, it was nice. Had a good time. My first trip to Ford Field um, kind of had a Superdome vibe to it. and It was very loud at points. Um, I enjoyed it. All, all in all, you know, there was a nice Thanksgiving spread, which, you know, was a nice gesture from the Lions. I did enjoy the pumpkin pie, not so much the turkey because I didn't want to fall asleep. But, um, yeah, all, all in all, I mean, it's, it's crazy kind of standing back and evaluating each of these games and that this team is at nine and two and just realizing how no one was able to predict this and just the I guess the unpredictable nature of the NFL um you know kind of kind of hits you a little bit after each game and then certainly more so after yesterday's win well I think if you had uh, told us at the beginning of the season that this team was nine and two despite losing their quarterback I think I would have been maybe like a 6 out of 10 surprised because even with Sam Bradford we were predicting them I had them 10 and 6 at the beginning of the year I believe Vegas had them at only 8 wins because someone sent me their ticket from betting that in Vegas uh yesterday <laughs> so I think maybe locally there were pretty high expectations but I think we would have been surprised that Case Keenum has been this good Courtney I thought yesterday was Case Keenum's best game of the year when adjusted in our brains for opponent because he lit up the Bucks and was incredible, but the Bucks yeah. are a tire fire. And then the last two weeks they had their ups and downs where he took some risks that he probably shouldn't have take, uh, taken and frustrated Mike Zimmer a little bit. But in this game against Detroit, especially in the first half, he was excellent and then didn't make any mistakes in the second half to open up the door for Matt Stafford. Yeah, he didn't have any turnovers yesterday, which I think, you know, still the Washington game's kind of on the back burner. I think that that's that's not out of the picture quite yet, given, you know, how well he performed against Los Angeles. And then, you know, yesterday, that's still still kind of lingering because of, you know, Mike Zimmer continuing to bring up about how excitable Case Keenan can be. And sometimes I think he used the reservation thing. Uh, you know, going off the reservation again there yesterday is what he said post game. That sometimes he does that, but all in all, I agree with you. I wrote that post game that 
you know, yes, statistically his first half performance was better uh, against Tampa Bay, which was a career day for him, obviously. Um, but I was evaluating it in terms of those two first halves. And I don't think I saw one bad pass from Case Keenum in that first half. He was stepping into the pocket. Um, he was, you know, making incredible throws against pressure. He looked like Mike Vick there on the uh, nine-yard read option. Uh, that's just kind of, you know, a joke after all the uh, slander I got to the Randy Moss comparison <laughs> last week. So I want I just want to throw that one out there. Um, no, but I mean, he was he was terrific. I think that was the best that we saw Case Keenum because of just the way he made those throws. They were calculated decisions. He took risks. He really gave Mike Zimmer his comment, his money's worth for the comment about you know his gutsiness earlier in the week. And the I think the throw that stands out to me the most was pro, and surprised most people was as he was getting hit that twenty two yard throw he launched right in the basket for for Kyle Rudolph. Um, you know to spark to, to spark the lead even further going into halftime. That was critical. You're seeing Case at a very comfortable level right now, all but all along. What, what, what's been the storyline here that we've talked about about why he's been good? It's been everybody else around Case. It's the offensive line. So he's got playmakers. It's Pat Shermer. I think yesterday was the one game where we could say, say hey, Case Keenum is actually pretty good and kind of have that stand on its own. So now the biggest question with Case Keenum is, has he reached what he was always supposed to be and now he's going to stay there, or has he reached peak hot quarterback and then he's going to go down the other side of the mountain? I mean, we've seen this go both ways uh, throughout history of, yeah, I mean, even sports in general. It comes to mind someone like uh, Jeremy Lin having a really hot run with the New York Knicks that everybody got on top of and he was scoring 40 points a game. And then teams started to figure out Jeremy Lin a little bit and he faded. And the same thing has happened for, uh, I think, every McCown that's uh, happened at one point. Um, you know, we, we saw Brian Hoyer get hot with the Houston Texans a few years ago. We saw Ryan Fitzpatrick with the New York Jets. He was in a really good situation, and he got hot, and they won 10 games. But then on the final game of the year, I think they lost when they needed to win to get into the playoffs. But it's not the first time that we've seen this. Which way would you guess that this trends? Would you guess that it trends toward he continues to perform like this or that we have reached the top of the mountain and now it's going down the other side? Realistically, could they win out these next five games? Yes. My gut's telling me, and it's, it's a terrible thing to think that, you know, yes, they can win these next five games, the championship drive or whatever Mike Zimmer wants to call it, and then they lose in the first round. Um, I know that that's probably not what people want to hear, but I, I just – I. I think we're seeing we're, we are seeing Pete Case Keenan. There's no question. I know that you've talked about it before. But there have been other stretches, um, you know, before you know a six game stretch where he's played as well as he did before the Lions game. That he's had other stretches similar to that. This is the best the best stretch of his entire career. Seeing you know he just how well how well he's playing you know against you know with the play action stuff and with you know that was his first rushing touchdown for himself since the 2016 season in week six and you know how well he is against the blitz I think that's going to continue to stay there um because that's just been something that as the season has progressed it's gotten better with him but the defenses and the situations here um 
in the second in these next five games. I think, you know, outside of Carolina, I think the test that he has, nothing really jumps off the page as wow, this is gonna be a huge test to determine if Case Keenan throws three interceptions here. Yeah, there's two more on the road, but I think if he was able to handle the environment and handle the situation and the task at hand with the weight of the division yesterday, that we're gonna see performances like yesterday going forward. Uh, the stretch, one of the stretches that you mentioned was to start his career, essentially his first opportunity in his first four games. He threw eight touchdowns, one pick, a 99 quarterback rating and averaged eight yards per attempt and added 49 yards rushing. So I guess he's always had that in him. Uh, so it is not the first time that we've seen this case Keenum, but that was on a Houston team that went 0 and 8. And then his team last year, he had a brief stretch that was really good, too. But the Rams really lacked in offensive weapons. They didn't have a running game. So the situations are quite a bit different than it is here. Courtney, I think that these next two games are going to determine where we stand with the quarterback situation. I would bet on Case Keenum performing fairly well. I mean, it just just seems in this offense it's going to be hard to picture him throwing five picks or something like that when his receivers are always there for him and they're always open and he's got an offensive coordinator that's played to his strengths uh, brilliantly. Uh, But over these next two games, if he's below average or struggles in both of them, then I think they've got the cushion now for sure to win the division. Then I think we do end up seeing Teddy Bridgewater. But if he's strong in these next two games, then I think Zimmer does have to come out and say, okay, we're just sticking with Case Keenum no matter what now. Yeah, because at some point, I don't know if he's going to do that. I mean, you see it today. It's like, what is it going to take? Is it going to take Case going 3-0 and in this, in this one road stretch of Detroit, Atlanta and uh, Carolina is it is this is that what it's going to take? Because I mean that's kind of you know that's a lie. You're asking way more of Case Keenan than you'd be asking of Teddy Bridgewater or of any other quarterback that you believe has to prove themselves to show what they can do. I mean seven games since the Chicago game, uh, you know coming in in relief of Sam Bradford and leading back. That's seven wins he can hold on his own. You know he's. It's impressive. Um, I do think that the – I think he's going to be fine against Atlanta. Atlanta is the most talented roster in the NFL, arguably, um, and is underachieved all year. I know that they have top – they have a you know, top – believe it, top, top four offense and a top five or top six defense. Either way, top ten, uh, you know, according to Football Outsiders. Um, and I was looking at that matchup when I was taking a look at the FPI – of what, you know, of the uh, likelihood that they give the Vikings to win this game. They're still slight underdogs. I think it's just because, you know, of the big – that gets adjusted based on what happens with both teams. And, you know, they have a big win against Seattle. Um, they should be able to beat the Bucks this weekend. I still, you know, I, I can understand why uh, Atlanta has a little bit of an advantage in that game, but I don't think that defense is very good, to be quite honest. I mean, they're not great in the red zone, which is an area where the Vikings have been able to really strike hot the last three games. Um, you know, even before that, leading back to week eight in, um, in London. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, his biggest test of the year is going to be Carolina. Carolina's defense, they finally, Vikings finally have a defense they're on par with. They get to, you know, kind of see who can who can take on the trophy in that one among the two defenses. 
and, and and given how how well they are, how good they are with you know takeaways. I mean, that's something that you know they haven't seen. You know, I thought Los Angeles was going to be the biggest threat with that, and if that wasn't even that big of a challenge, then you, know, you kind of wonder what that's going to lay out the next few games. But you know, yes, if he doesn't perform well in this stretch, you could see a switch for the final three games of the regular season, and then a push towards the playoffs. Do I think we're going to see Teddy Bridgewater at some point this season? My gut still tells me yes. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, Case Keenum's playing great, but I still think we're going to see Teddy. There's going to be there's going to be something because the law of averages here tells you that he's been a backup before his entire life. I mean, yes, he could be going on a stretch right now to where, you know, this was just his opportunity that he needed. That could very easily be the case, and you and I can be eating our words here, you know, seven, eight weeks from now. But, um I don't know. I just I have a gut feeling that Teddy Bridge we're going to see Teddy Bridgewater at some point, uh, despite what Case Keenan does. I mean, he could have a mediocre day, and they still we still might see Teddy at some point. Well, what this might set up for if Keenum does play well over the next two games is for us to see Teddy Bridgewater in basically a meaningless game in Week 17, where the Vikings yeah. could easily have this locked up. And right now, I mean, if you're Mike Zimmer, maybe you're hoping for that situation or maybe you're not. I, I don't know what Mike Zimmer is thinking from week to week about his quarterback situation. He's got to be terrified that Case Keenum is going to hit that wall and some of these balls are going to get picked off that he threw you know, against the Rams that were overly risky or against Washington. A couple of them were picked off in key situations. He's got to be afraid that the old Case Keenum is going to come back, the one that fell off after hot stretches before. But at the same time, I mean, you've got to love the wins if you're Mike Zimmer. And so I wonder if he's conflicted because he wants Teddy Bridgewater to come back or he's basically just sitting here saying, well, we'll see how long this lasts because the one thing that I think is sustainable, Courtney, is Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator. You mentioned the red zone. It's been an unbelievable turnaround from the last oh two God, years yeah. to, to now. It's been incredible. Well, take a look at the last, uh, I'd say, last four weeks. Um, you know, they were, what, 26 in the league in red zone scoring weeks one through seven, somewhere around there. And then weeks eight through 12, where they're at right now, 76.5% of the time they're scoring when they get inside the red zone. That's, that's fourth best in the NFL. So you go from, like, 27th to fourth, and I know Mike Zimmer has said yes. It's something we focused on, and he really hasn't delved into what they've done. But take a look at you know just some of the play designs. I mean, you saw it yesterday. You know, there were a number of different options there for Case Keenum. That's a you know great design by Pat Shermer, and then they're utilizing Latavius Murray for his strength that he built up in open, which is a reason he was such a compelling free agent for a team that was god awful. Um, in the red zone last year, I think finished 28th in red zone scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, you check those two boxes, and then you know it's nice to see Kyle Rudolph uptick here at the um, you know in the latter portion of the season. I mean, he and David Morgan both um, have been huge, and with their, when they're utilizing these two tight end sets, it's not just for blocking. I mean, they're able to get out and catch passes too. And you know, Rudolph has been a nice threat for for Keenum in the red zone. So all those things aside. You know, I think that, you know, going back to your point about how Mike Zimmer's feeling about this quarterback situation, of course he's conflicted because in the back of his head, yes, these wins are great. But what does this get you next season? I mean, I know that we've talked about this before and that a lot of 
people want to keep the focus on here and now. Who is your starting quarterback in 2018? I highly doubt that, you know, if, unless Case Keenum leads them to the Super Bowl. The, and they, I, I don't know, maybe they win, maybe they don't at that point. That would determine whether he, you know, whether he gets to, whether for some reason they decide they want to stick with him and give him a long-term deal. I just, I think that there are a million other scenarios that could happen before before that one. Um, do I think that they're going to, you know, pony up to keep him next year in some role? Yeah, I do. But they've got to figure out what to do with Teddy Bridgewater. They've got this guy who's, you know, apparently healthy, ready to go, sitting there. And I think Mike is probably having some anxiety about, okay, well, I want to know what he's got. You know, I've been touting this guy. We've had him stick around for 15, 16 months now, almost, um, you know, after the injury. What what does he have? Because it's just as much as Case Keenum winning is a great thing for the Vikings, for, you know, for Mike Zimmer, for Teddy Bridgewater, it's delaying his period that he has to shake off that rust. Yeah, I think maybe the worst-case scenario for uh, going forward – Man, can't stop using the word case. Uh, but it's probably <laughs> it's probably the one you laid out. If this team were to lose in the first round, but Keenum got you to a thirteen and three season or something like that, I mean that seems very realistic at this point. And then you lose in the first round, then you're kind of entering Alex Smith territory there, where the Kansas City Chiefs have had or Andy Dalton, right? I mean, aren't, aren't mm-hmm. the most comparable quarterbacks to Keenum? That type of guy, isn't it now someone like Andy Dalton? Just a few years ago, I was looking at this today, 2013, Andy Dalton led the sixth highest scoring offense in the NFL with Cincinnati. Zimmer was the defensive coordinator. They were fifth in points against, and it ended the same way it always ends for Cincinnati. You don't want to end up in that place either where you build amazing teams around a mediocre or just mid middle of the road quarterback and then you're always out in the first round you I think where Zimmer sees Teddy Bridgewater is being above that as being a guy who could go into oh I don't know a playoff game against Russell Wilson and win if he got a field goal or something right in Zimmer's mind that probably sits there but you're right how do you find out where he stands, and then if you're talking about 2018, no one will give us a straight answer about whether his contract is going to toll or not. It's in the CBA, but then he could also file a grievance. And you know, would he want yeah, to even don't stay? Right? That it could get very messy. No, sorry yeah. to cut you off. I mean, but the thing you brought up with the CBA is that the whole tolling thing—he has to play to become a free agent. Like, I don't think he's completely out of the woods yet. Correct? Like. As far as the CBA, well, Rick Spielman wanted to explain what tolling was a few weeks ago um, because he didn't want to get into the contract and the, the the nastiness that that could be. But I don't. As far as I'm concerned, they're not completely out of the woods yet with the situation with what Teddy's contract could become should he, you know, go into his fourth year and still not have having played a game this year. I think I, I would be approaching it myself, looking at this as we talk about Bridgewater as he's going to be a free agent and then he can decide to stay here or not because I, I, it just has that feel that he's not going to have to be held to it. And one comment by Bridgewater really stuck out to me is when he said that uh, he had been ready weeks before, and then he, he, yeah. was, he was asked to follow up on it and wouldn't clarify exactly what he meant. But I think that if he filed a grievance, his argument would have been, look, I didn't have to go on IR and stay 
uh, inactive for that long. I could have just been on the injury report for a couple of weeks and then been the backup, but instead they did this because of the contract situation. I think that's what he'll argue. So where you could end up with Case Keenum, depending on how this all goes, but as a guy who gets you to 13-3 and or something like that, and then you don't have any of these quarterbacks going into next year, or maybe even Sam Bradford's your quarterback. It could, it could play out any number of those ways. And I, I think we'll have a much better feel on it over the next few weeks, whether Case Keenum might be an option for them going forward. But I think right now it's basically like, well, let's see what you can do this year. And then who knows once we get to that point. Yeah. And I, and, and to go back, I mean, mention those guys, he just Mark Sanchez kind of, throw his name in the mix of guys who have been in that position before, because that's one of the first ones that come to my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, he was probably not as good as Case, like putting up the numbers. But then again, uh, the, the passing numbers, we always have to adjust in our mind because I've gone back and looked at quarterback rating from year to year, and it just keeps going up, 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 up. So 10 years ago, maybe Sanchez was more around a middle-of-the-pack quarterback or maybe the same type of thing. But, yeah, there, I mean, there's precedent on these guys, and usually their teams don't sign up for them long-term. Alex Smith is probably on the upper end of that. Um, and, and Washington is even going through it with Kirk Cousins. I mean, Kirk Cousins might be the most comparable quarterback to Case Keenum, a guy who's not a top pick, doesn't have the strongest arm, but has a lot around him that's been able to kind of push his play up, and even his team uh, doesn't believe in him. So that situation is not going away. I mean, I've gotten the tweets, are you guys going to stop talking about the quarterback situation? Sorry, probably not. I, I mean, the pre, yeah. the pregame show on Fox spent the entire time pretty much talking about it and giving their opinions. So that's what you're going to see almost every week uh, with this team. But uh, switching gears just a little bit, uh, Courtney, is Mike Zimmer the head coach of the year right now? I'd be hard-pressed to give it to anybody else. I mean, under the circumstances, and you know, maybe let's do the same thing that we do to Case Keenum every week where he's a product of the system or he's, you know, he's not a game manager. We're not going to call him a game manager because I'm just, I'm just not going to do that. I mean, because he's done well enough for me to not disrespect him in that regard. But, um, you know, but as much as we talk about Case Keenum being a product of, you know, being a good offensive line, having all these weapons, Mike Zimmer essentially kind of, I mean, of course, as a manager, you know, of all the decisions, um, he's done a really good job of maintaining everything since Bridgewater went down and kind of riding the wave, the adversity this team went through last year. He said it earlier on Friday that maybe it was a good thing for the Vikings to, you know, deal with some of the struggles that they had in 2016 because it prepared them for right now. I think with Zimmer, I mean, he's got a fantastic his defense, no denying that. He's got a fantastic offensive coordinator, and he's really taken a learning to what Pat Shermer does. And, you know, as said, he's offered up, you know, he's been able to kind of offer up some of his input in it. But since he, you know, since from the offseason, since he kind of took, you know, relinquished some of his uh, duties as a play caller, I think it's given him a chance to to really get out of his comfort zone and see 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 the game in a different aspect and oper- and manage the game in a different aspect. And you know, for a guy that you know got his shot as a head coach here and you know has gone through a lot of stuff early on, and you know now in his fourth year is finally seeing success. I think that 
you, know, you can only you can only really tip your hat to the way that he's had to make those adjustments with this team, and you know the way that they've turned out has been pretty good. Yeah, I mean there are other teams that have records that are up there with the Vikings, but few lost their starting quarterback and their star running back and sustained this type yeah. of success. I mean, that, that probably pushes him all the way to the top of the list right now for coach of the year, depending on what happens the rest of the way. But now I'm looking at this division saying there's almost no way that you could blow the division now with a three-game lead and then depending on what tiebreakers might exist. And that game yesterday turns out to be in the division race a gigantic win for the Vikings. Oh my gosh! And 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 now Absolutely. it it's not that you can put it in cruise control, but you you almost can't see a scenario where they're anything less than twelve and four. I mean, eleven and five yeah. would be really stunning. Yeah, I talked to Kyle Rudolph after the game about the you know the vision outlook, and of course you get the same answer of you never know. Like you, we can end up nine and seven. You're not going to end up nine and seven. Like that's just not going to happen. Um, I do think their hardest, you know, I've given up on the Green Bay thing. I mean, that was weeks ago. I thought that could be a sneaky, tricky game. Um, I, You know, they're 5-5 five and five right now. By the time that that game rolls around as far as, you know, their net, being their next division opponent, um, I don't think they're going to be sniffing the playoffs, uh, Green Bay, that is. And I don't think that, you know, if that's the case, Aaron Rodgers is healthy, why bring him back? for, you know, two meaningless right. games at that point. So that should be a very easy game. The Bears should be an easy win. Um, the Bengals, absolutely. I mean, I think their only playmaker and only consistency has been A.J. Green. Um, I just I, There's something about that Carolina game that's not as much of a give-me as, obviously, the you know, some of the other ones. And I, I think that that could be Case's biggest test of the season because he has not seen a defense like that yet. And that's where we'll really get to understand you know, when you when you're talking about Super Bowl contending defenses, you know that's one that comes to mind. Um, you know, just just in terms of that picture, and going forward, what's that going to tell us about who he could, you know, what he could potentially do? Could he throw three picks in the first in a first round playoff game, and then that's the season right there? I mean, that's I think you get a nice early look at what the playoffs are going to be like. Uh, in that Carolina game. Yes, I agree. I, I don't think since they got past this game and feel like they're in good shape that all of a sudden we can say, all right, let's start looking forward uh, to the playoffs here because I think there is still a lot to be determined in these next two games. What is your number one concern about the Minnesota Vikings as a Super Bowl contender that isn't Case Keenum. I think until he is raising the Super Bowl trophy, no matter what happens, we'll be, <laughs> we'll be saying, is Case going to fall off this week? Is he going to fall off this week? So not named Case Keenum. What is the other biggest concern about the Minnesota Vikings? Well, I know Mike Zimmer said that it wasn't a huge issue, um, you know, fixable issue or whatever we said with the kicking game, and it wasn't all on Kai Forbath. Um, not saying it's a trend, but you know we saw it against we saw it against the Rams. We saw it yesterday with the you know his two missed kicks. And there's some other issues on special teams. I mean they had a, a Marcus Sherrill had like a 38 yard return nullified by two holding penalties. I right now that's you know trying to take the rose rose colored glasses off after a win like that. I think that the kicking game is probably the still a concern 
wouldn't say it's DEFCON 4, what's it called? DEFCON 4, Red Alert, whatever. I don't know. Whatever the military <laughs> term is that you have when it's like everything foobarred, um, I would say that it's not there yet, but it is a little bit concerning because, you know, had had Darius Slay not been off sides and had, you know, had that kick been blocked, I think we're talking about a much different situation here. Um, with with how that game could have turned out, because that would have been a 77 retur- yard return for a touchdown. Um, to me, I just don't think that they've ever been completely sound and, and confident in that kicking game. And if there's anything more than quarterbacks that Mike Zimmer, um, you know, demands the most out of, it's his kicking game. But I do think it is kind of telling that he didn't just throw all the blame on Kai Forbath yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, and right, right to his own. I mean, he, it was a bad snap on the, on the extra point attempt, the first one that he missed. And then, um, you know, they, they lined up over the center. I know, you know, kudos to them for not like going completely in today, uh, during this press conference because that should have, that, that was a broken rule. That was a violation right there on Detroit that did not get called. Well, I think if they had lost, Mike Zimmer would be paying up a fine because he was still, you could tell exactly. he, he was still trying not to say too much today about it, but he just have, had to stop a couple times and smile about how bad the refereeing was. Uh, Judd and I talked about it too. It was uh, one of the worst refereed games I think I have ever seen in the NFL. Just consistently from yeah. top to bottom, it was, it was awful. Uh, I think the biggest concern for me, Courtney, would be if anyone on defense gets hurt, we saw the yeah. one day that they didn't have Everson Griffin. They gave up 30 points to Washington. I still thought it was a decent defensive performance and they put on some points at the end of the game and were helped uh, by the case Keenum interceptions. Still, it wasn't their best. And that came with Everson Griffin out. And the other thing I would say, uh, Harrison Smith had his poorest game of the year yesterday, but otherwise He's making a case for being the defensive player of the year. I I think he's been that valuable. And if Harrison Smith were to get hurt like he did toward the end of the year last year, I think this defense needs every single piece at 100% when they get to the playoffs to go deep. And historically, that's kind of been the case of how it works. I mean, if you are uh, really healthy on defense, you can have one of the best defenses in the league. But if they're missing... Xavier Rhodes was still not looking quite 100% yesterday. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you lost Trey Wayans, you'd be concerned about guys stepping in now. So if any of these pieces, and Linval Joseph, uh, once again, just dominating uh, against the run, if you lost any of those pieces, then I think the defense isn't as strong and couldn't carry them. So I think that would be my one concern because at full health, they're one of the best in the league. Yeah, no no question. I mean, I think that that kind of goes without saying that you know, the health of your team is going to determine how far you can go, especially at this point of the year. But you saw against Washington, I mean, as you said, 30 points, season high they gave up. The defense, the defensive line rotation that they had just was not, uh, you know, they could not pressure Kirk Cousins. And they got six pressures on in total, uh, you know, from both of their ends in that game. Everson is making a case right now. I don't. I know he's not really in the conversation. I'm not really sure why. I think it's kind of one of those like Lorenzo Alexander deals. Um, but he's he's making a case for Defensive Player of the Year. I know he was you know talking about it yesterday, and he, he got to give him his due. I mean, he certainly should be in the conversation there. Harrison Smith, I still think is one of the more underrated defenders in the league, but he's just not 
put up in that national spotlight. I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not really sure why that is. If somebody could figure out why and tell me, that'd be great. But, you know, he's so good against, he's such a good, he's so good, you know, in, in, in coverage and against the run. And, you know, he's, I think he's probably, I mean, when we've talked about who's the most important player on this defense, I think more and more my, my, I'm swaying towards, towards Harrison Smith just yeah. because of how effective he's been. And I think that, you know, you go from a guy who's really been the anchor of the entire thing, and you know you could you could say it's Linville Joseph up front with the run. I mean, if they lost him, that'd be that'd be really really bad. If they lost Everson Griffin, I mean, it was just anybody. You can name all of them, but Harrison Smith to me gives me the biggest pause. Um, thinking about what they'd have to do to overcompensate. I mean, yes, it was nice seeing um, you know seeing what Anthony Harris was able to do in place of Anderson Dejo against Los Angeles. And, to me, last week, the biggest question that was still had not been answered for me was the depth of the secondary. I mm-hmm. think that they showed it last week. But if if you don't have a guy like Harrison Smith, that's, that's I don't care how much depth you have. I mean, that's, that's a game changer. Yeah, Everson, uh, to your point, I think would have a great chance to win it if he continues to sack quarterbacks like this. I mean, he's leading the league as of right now going into yep. this Sunday's games, and so we'll we'll see how those end up playing out. But if he's got 19 sacks on a defense that goes 13-3 and three as a team, then uh, maybe he's got a good chance. But I, like you, see Harrison Smith as being the most valuable. All right, Courtney, so what are we looking for this week? I mean, we've gotten to the point where it feels like with Mike Zimmer every week now, uh, I'm not used to covering a team that wins this much, Courtney, I, you know, being in Buffalo before this. So it seems <laughs> like it seems like we're asking Zimmer, so why is your offense good? Well, well, you know, whatever. Yeah, so why is your defense question. good, right? You know, we just kind of ask him the same questions over and over. What's the biggest storyline this week heading uh, into Atlanta? You know, for me, and it's kind of been the last few weeks, but it's been building. They're finally seeing from Latavius Murray what they expected when they signed him. And, mm-hmm. God, if you talk about a guy who's a product of really crazy circumstances, with you know, he, he goes into the, into the off-season program, recovering from an ankle injury, gets surpassed by, you know, a guy that, you know, they're, they're, they were sure about uh, when, they, when they drafted him. They, you know, first-round talent and falls in second round but didn't know was he going to be ready. I mean, the circumstances that of just luck, sheer luck of just how that thing has played out, he's made the most of it. And I think that – remember how it was kind of like, okay, Jared McKinnon, bar none, is the number one running back after Dalvin Cook went down that, you know, nobody thought that was going to change just because of how versatile of a threat he was. Um, in, you know, in the passing game, too, which Murray just hasn't, you know, it's just not a strength of his game. Like, I mean, yes, he can be effective in it, but it's not, you know, a consistent, um, you know, it's not really a consistent thing with him. But I think with Latavius Murray, for me, he's one of the bigger storylines, especially given, and I'll go back to the red zone scoring, you know, red zone scoring, red zone defense. So number one, believe they're number one red zone defense, number one in red zone defense. Um, and, you know, where they're at right now, fourth best in red zone scoring, you take a look then at the teams that they face, um, you know, coming up here in in the second half or you know, five more games. The Bengals are the third best, you know, they're they're one of the better red zone defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, their, best, their best chance to really utilize Murray and get the most out of them are going to be against the Panthers, who, as good as their defense is, that's that's the, their defense is Achilles' heel, and then against the Packers. So, um, you know, for me, 
you know, yeah, we're getting into the weeds here because it's the same thing. The offensive line, you know, storyline is kind of getting tired. I mean, yes, we know about the upgrade at left tackle and at right tackle and just how good they've been. Um, you know, the two sacks yesterday, I don't know if you necessarily pin those on the offensive line as much as you do on Case Keenum not getting rid of the ball quick enough. But, um, but yeah, I mean, where can they take their game to the next level here? I mean, haven't we been saying all along that, you know, the defense needs to get more takeaways to kind of be in the national picture and get, you know, the limelight? Maybe that's where it's at. Yeah, I I think if they are able to beat uh, Matt Ryan the way that their offense has been playing, I think that's the biggest storyline for me is just Atlanta – Last week against Seattle, even if Seattle was dinged up, I think they finally are starting to figure it out after switching offensive coordinators and struggling early in the season. So how Zimmer's defense reacts to that. And then, of course, as always, the Case Keenum conversation will be at the top of the list. So thank you, uh, as always, Courtney. And we will uh, talk again in, in the middle of next week. So enjoy your little Thanksgiving weekend here. You do the same. All right. And thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast.